Hello, it's good to have you with us here at Leadership for Sustainability, the podcast for directors and managers who want to develop and lead sustainability initiatives that deliver results and make a real difference in the world. I'm Osbert Lancaster, longtime sustainability coach, consultant and trainer, and co-founder of Realize Earth. Have you ever talked with colleagues about why it's a good idea for your organization to do more about sustainability, only to be met with disinterest or even hostility? This season, we're sharing our experience to help you build support for your sustainability initiative. And in this episode, I'll explain how you can get potential collaborators and allies interested and engaged by using the most powerful motivator, emotion. So, as I said in the last episode, there are two approaches you can use to build support for sustainability in businesses and indeed in many other organizations. The first approach is centered around the so-called business case for sustainability. The argument that action to tackle sustainability can reduce costs, improve performance and reduce risk. The second approach that you can take is to tap into the fact that over three quarters of the population in the G20 countries are concerned about sustainability and want to do something about it. The business case is really important, but in our experience, every successful sustainability initiative is led by people who deeply care about the climate and nature crises. Caring about what's going on in the world isn't just a motivation for sustainability leaders. Sustainability leaders like you and I aren't the only people who care. Most of your colleagues do too. Tapping into this is potentially the most powerful and effective approach you can use to build support for your sustainability initiative among your colleagues and other stakeholders. So what are you thinking about this idea? When I talk about getting people engaged and motivated with sustainability at work in this way, I get two very different responses. Some people are hugely relieved that it's okay. In fact, it's worthwhile to talk with their colleagues about sustainability at this more personal emotional level, that it's okay to be human about this stuff. But some people are dubious, to put it politely, and they don't believe this approach will work. Generally, there are three objections. First one is that they believe that the emotion-based approach just doesn't motivate people, that they'll only respond to rational arguments, to the carrots or sticks, or to what's in it for them. And the second objection is that they accept it might work for some people in some circumstances, but it won't work with their colleagues because they know their colleagues just don't care about this fluffy stuff. And the third one is this. Sometimes they've tried talking about the emotional case for sustainability and it didn't work. Do any of these objections resonate with you, even if you'd like to believe in the emotion-based approach? Let's look at each one of these in turn. Let's start with the view that people aren't motivated by emotion, that they only respond to rational arguments, to carrots and sticks, or what's in it for them. Of course, rational, logical thinking is hugely important. It's a defining feature of the human species. And self-interest, rewards and disincentives certainly can influence people's behaviour in many ways. But emotion is much more powerful. It's a much more fundamental part of our biology. Understanding how people feel and using emotion to engage them is central to successful leadership and management across any field. And indeed, it's behind the success of marketing, which unfortunately has helped create the culture of mass consumption that is now overwhelming the world. You've seen the TEDx video from Simon Sinek. It's one of the most viewed TED videos with over 60 million views. 
What people usually get from his idea is the idea of the golden circle, with why in the middle, then how, and the what outside that. And Simon Sinek says that most companies communicate by talking about what they do, i.e. their products and services, but he argues that great leaders start with why. They appeal to people's emotions and sense of purpose. In fact, although most people remember Start With Why, the title of his talk was actually How Great Leaders Inspire Action, and he draws on case studies of many different leaders in business and outside it, including Martin Luther King. In 16 minutes, he makes a compelling case for leading with emotion, with why, not rational arguments. I'd highly recommend watching it. I'll add it to the show notes. I'll be going into this idea of an emotionally compelling purpose for your sustainability initiative in future episodes. But for now, let's take a look at the second objection. Here's the second objection to working with the emotion-based approach that I regularly come across when speaking to directors and managers leading on sustainability in their organizations. They accept it might work for some people in some circumstances, but it won't work with their colleagues because their colleagues just don't care about this fluffy stuff. Basically, they're saying, even though I might care about the climate and nature crises, other people don't. It's a common attitude, and researchers have even given it a name, pluralistic ignorance. This is where people who are in the majority think they're in the minority. It's a bit like everyone thinking that they're an above-average driver. There's a very moving video from Global Action Plan about young people believing other people are selfish and they don't care about people and planet. The video explains this concept really well, and I'll share it in the notes. Despite what many of us instinctively believe, there actually is more and more hard evidence that most people do care. So when people tell you no one else cares and there's not much point in appealing to their better nature, take it with a large pinch of salt. Another part of the problem is that too often we talk about sustainability or climate change, which are pretty abstract concepts. In the last episode, I invited you to write about what sustainability means to you, to write down what you cared about and why. What did you come up with? When we do this kind of exercise in workshops, people tell us their worries about life for their grandchildren, or for the future of the farmers they met in Africa on holiday or on a business trip, or the effect of climate on wildlife, like the deer, they see on their walks in the Scottish hills. It's real people, real places, and real wildlife that people actually care about, not the concept of sustainability or biodiversity. And finally, a third objection I hear. People tell me they've tried talking about the emotional case for sustainability, and it didn't work. In fact, I have this experience myself. There were many times in the past when I tried to convince people to get involved with a sustainability initiative by talking about the damage that's being done to nature and the impacts on people across the world. And I had absolutely no success. The thing is, it's really easy to go about this the wrong way, to make people feel anxious and depressed, to make people feel guilty or ashamed, to make people feel inadequate and powerless. Not surprisingly, if they feel like that, they don't feel keen to get involved. It was a long time ago that I was going about it in that way, and I've learned a lot since then. The good news is that it is possible to go about this differently, to have conversations with people about sustainability, 
so people feel that their concerns matter, so they feel listened to, not judged, so they feel that they can make a meaningful difference. I'd like to take a moment just now to let you know about our next event. If you've been listening for a while, you'll know that most people are concerned about climate change and would like to make more sustainable choices in their lives. Despite this open door, most business sustainability initiatives fail to engage staff, and as a result, they miss their targets. The reason is that most initiatives don't pay enough attention to what genuinely motivates colleagues, nor do they recognise the barriers that hold back even the most highly motivated employees from taking action. On Wednesday the 22nd of May, join me and Jamie, the creator of the Most Sustainable Workplace Index, and learn how the index can help you tap into and unlock most employees' latent motivation to do the right thing for people and planet. You'll discover how the index can help you to gather hard evidence of what's working and what needs attention across locations and divisions and seniority levels. You'll identify the focus areas where the sustainability team, L&D, HR and so on, should allocate time and resources to make the most progress. And you'll discover how you can demonstrate year-on-year -year progress with consistent and comparable data on sustainability culture. And you can use that for action planning, reporting, benchmarking and accreditation. Do join us on Wednesday the 22nd of May. You'll find the link in the show notes. Earlier, I said that every successful sustainability initiative that I've come across has always been led by someone who cares deeply about the climate and nature crises, who cares about what we're doing to the living world, including our fellow humans. And I'm guessing that you care too, because most people do. So if you want to develop and lead successful sustainability initiatives, you will need to build support, and you should start by tapping into the fact that the people you'd like to have as collaborators and allies almost certainly care about sustainability too. The business case for sustainability will be important, but it's not the place to start when building support. We'll be going into exactly how you can do this in the next episode. If you have time before then, I encourage you to watch Simon Sinek's TED Talk, where he explains why engaging and inspiring people with purpose, what he calls starting with why, is so powerful. You'll find a link in the show notes. Speaking of which, the show notes are at realize.earth slash 103. Thanks for being with me today. I'm Osbert Lancaster, co-founder of Realize Earth. I hope you found our podcast useful and you'll be back for the next episode where I'll be talking you through how to talk about sustainability with your colleagues in ways that can help you get their support. And I'll be sharing how I did it the wrong way and lost the chance to help a UK government department with their sustainability agenda. To make sure you don't miss it, follow or subscribe to Leadership for Sustainability in your podcast app of choice. And if you're new to podcasts, it's simple. Go to realize.earth slash guides to find out how. This is a brand new podcast, so following or subscribing will boost our podcast in the algorithms and help more people who care about sustainability to find us. And hopefully, we can help them make even more of a difference. Bye for now. Don't forget, leadership for sustainability and the work you're doing is important, now more than ever. Keep up the good work and make sure to look after yourself. <laughs>